0: Good morning. Please stand with me to honor the reading of God's word. Matthew 5, verses 27 through 30. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, we're finally here, the last sermon in the sermon series, Restoring Sexual Sanity. Uh, Like the last couple sermons, this sermon is rated PG, so kids, you know the drill. There's Terry Meyer back there. Terry, raise your hand. Uh, Kids under the age of roughly 12 or 13, uh, you can join Terry for a fun, age-appropriate activity. Let's pray once again. Father, thank you for your incredible goodness and kindness to us. Lord, thank you for giving us so many reasons to sing this morning. Father, we pray that as the Word of God is explained this morning, that you would send your Spirit to give each one of us the gift of understanding. Lord, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus as the Word of God is preached. Lord, help each one of us to take these words very seriously and soberly. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. A UVA professor writes these sobering words. Porn is a $90 billion a year worldwide industry. In 2006, porn revenues in America were over $13 billion. That is more money than Americans spend on professional football, basketball, and baseball combined. America's pastime is no longer baseball. America's pastime is porn. In 2006, twice as much money was spent in America on porn than the revenues of CBS, ABC, and NBC combined. A 2003 survey reported that 47% of Christians, Christians, admit that pornography is a major problem in their homes. Another survey found that 50% of self-identified Christian men and 20% of Christian women are addicted to porn. A 2002 study by London School of Economics found nine out of ten children between the ages of eight and 16 have viewed internet pornography. Porn is ubiquitous. It is everywhere. Furthermore, porn is incredibly destructive. It destroys marriages and careers, childhoods, trust, relationships, intimacy with God, and any semblance of sexual satisfaction. It is never, ever, ever, ever satisfied. In a room this size, I know that some of you this morning are enslaved to porn, and you want to quit looking at porn in the worst way. But you don't know how. You constantly feel ashamed, defeated, and condemned. Porn seems to define who you are, which raises the question, is there hope for those enslaved to porn? Is there hope? Is there power for change? And the answer is a resounding yes. And that brings us to these wonderful words of Christ. In Matthew 5, 27 to 30, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus specifically addresses what's behind porn, and that is the issue of lust. And if these verses are properly applied, one can live porn-free. It is possible. It's possible to live porn-free. Isn't that good news? To help us understand these verses, we're gonna look at three headings this morning. Uh, Committing lust, combating lust, and then condemning lust. So first is committing lust. Look with me again at Matthew 5, 27 to 28. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Now, he's quoting here from uh, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. This is the seventh commandment, one of the big ten. He's saying it's wrong to commit adultery. Now, at this point, his audience is probably thinking, well, that's great, I'm off the hook. I've never committed adultery. I'm doing pretty well. But then he goes on to say, as the new Moses, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Christ is saying He's not only concerned about outward activity, committing adultery, he's also concerned about the inward activity of the heart. And he's saying here that anyone who has lusted after another person is guilty of adultery. And adultery under the Old Testament uh, is a crime worthy of stoning. This is a big deal in the Old Testament. Now, in the Greek, lustful intent literally reads... Uh, for the purpose of lusting for her. In other words, if you have looked at someone else lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. Uh, One scholar says this about this phrase, lustful intent, the look is not casual but persistent, the desire not involuntary or momentary but cherished. It's not sinful to notice a beautiful person as he or she walks by, but it is sinful to take that second glance or to stare to to gratify one's sensual imagination. Porn magnifies this temptation to lust a thousandfold. One commits adultery every time they look at porn, which means that every time you look at porn, you are basically separating yourself from God, and that one sin uh, is worthy of eternal condemnation. Don't forget that. God is holy and righteous and perfect, and just one sin, one violation of the Ten Commandments is worthy of separating you from God for all eternity. This is a big deal. Now, here's the scary thing. There was virtually no porn when Christ uttered these words 2,000 years ago. He's simply saying that looking at someone else with lustful intent is adultery. So even if you don't have a porn problem, you may still have a significant adultery problem. Porn just makes the problem a whole lot worse. With that in mind, why is porn so wrong? Why is it so sinful to look at pornography? What's the big deal, Dave? Well, one scholar argues that when you look at porn, you are committing several sins simultaneously. For instance, you're committing the sin of idolatry, finding joy in something that God forbids, not God Himself. You're also committing the sin of adultery, which I just mentioned. You're committing the sin of deceit. Porn users often hide their sin from others. You commit the sin of theft. You are stealing pleasure that belongs to someone else's spouse. You commit the sin of greed. You are greedily grasping at something that is not yours. You also commit the sin of covetousness and jealousy because you want something that doesn't belong to you. You commit the sin of sloth. You are not redeeming the time when you're looking at pornography. You also commit the sin of sexual assault. Well, how? Consider the words of one scholar. He makes this point. A person who drives a getaway car for a band of bank robbers will rightly be charged with murder for anyone who is killed because of that crime. The person who voluntarily watches sexual assault for the purpose of titillation is rightly guilty of that sexual assault. And a nauseating amount of pornography these days, it's like 70 or 75% I read recently, is basically sexual assault. That's most porn now sexual assault. Furthermore, you're guilty of grieving the Holy Spirit. You're sinning against your spouse or your future spouse, and you're sinning against your children by giving them a horrible example. One of the biggest lies foisted on us is that porn does not harm anyone. Wow! What a lie from the pit of hell! It hurts you, your spouse, your future spouse, your children, potentially your career, all women. And you're supporting an incredibly wicked and dehumanizing industry. According to the excellent book, Closing the Window, by uh, Tim Chester, it's a very, very sobering book on this issue of pornography, he argues that the vast majority of female porn stars are drug addicts because there's so much guilt and shame that they they take uh, drugs to numb their conscience. And many of them end up taking their lives. And he gives story after story in that book of porn stars that took their own lives because of the guilt and the shame. Porn dehumanizes women. On the other hand... God's plan for sexuality, as I mentioned many times in this series, is wonderful. Sex was God's idea, and as I've argued many times, the people that have the best sex are conservative evangelicals that follow God's plan for heterosexual marriage, monogamy for life. All the data indicates that they're the most sexually satisfied people, not those who are hooked on porn. Well, if we know porn is wrong, why do we look at it? Why, why do we give in to sexual lust? Because often we're trying to escape from something. We want a refuge from the hardships of life. We want pleasure. Giving into in to lust may provide pleasure for a few fleeting seconds. Then it ruins your life. Lust abides by the law of diminishing returns. Proverbs 2720 says this, Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. Porn never satisfies lust. It only inflames lust for more and more perversity. People often go from lingerie catalogs to pornographic images to porn videos to strip clubs to prostitution to pedophilia to orgies to rape and worse because lust is never, ever satisfied. And you're thinking but I'm different, I can control it. <laughs> no you're not. That, that's Satan lying to you. porn's in control, you're not. and it's never, ever, ever satisfied. William J. Struthers, an expert on the subject, says this: each time that an unhealthy sexual pattern is repeated, a neurological, emotional, and spiritual erosion carves out a channel that will eventually develop into a canyon from which there is no escape. Porn never delivers on its promise. Instead, it destroys pleasure, which explains why a growing number of young men are struggling with ED, erectile dysfunction. Men in their 20s, this is called porn impotence. It's becoming a massive problem. And that's because men look at porn so much that a normal woman, i.e. their spouse or future spouse, cannot arouse them guys, the last thing you want is to be in your 20s and to be impotent because porn has ruined your life. That should cause us to fear God. Here's the incredible irony. People look at porn for pleasure, but porn does nothing but destroy real pleasure and great sex. It's like rat poison. It smells good, it tastes good, but it kills the rat. Dave, isn't, isn't lust and porn primarily a guy problem? No. Women struggle with lust too. One survey found that 28% now of porn users are women, although they use porn differently than men. Women are often more tempted by erotic romance novels, but this also is lust. I, again, I don't want us to think lust and then think that porn's the only application Jesus says that anyone, any man or woman who looks at someone with lustful intent has committed adultery in his heart. Guys who don't look at porn are often more tempted to take that second glance at the lady who walks by in the yoga pants because they're not jaded by all the fake females on porn. So Even if you're not a porn addict, (laughs) you could still be an adulterer based on the words of Christ. Now, all this is bad news. Is there any hope for us? Yes. And that brings us to the next point. So first, committing lust. Second is combating lust. There is a way to combat lust. And Jesus clearly lays that out for us, and it's a radical way, but it is a way. Matthew 5, 29 to 30, Jesus utters these words disturbing words if your right eye causes you to sin tear it out and throw it away for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown in to hell and if your right hand causes you to sin cut it off and throw it away for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell Well, how do we combat the sin of lust, which leads to adultery? We take radical action. Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, grab a knife and gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, grab a knife or a saw and cut it off. I almost labeled this talk chainsaw sanctification. That's what Christ is clearly saying. We are called to take radical action in our fight against lust. What does this look like? Andrew Ralston was hiking in the desert about 15 years ago, all by himself, miles away from civilization. And as he was exploring some caverns 50 feet below the surface of the desert, Um, He heard a rumble above him, and there was a rock slide, and then a a massive rock came tumbling down and landed on his arm, crushing his arm, and pinning him to the side of uh, this desert wall. No matter what he tried, he could not break himself free. He struggled, he agonized, he heaved, he hoed, he pushed, he shoved, and he was stuck. Nothing he could do and he was miles from anywhere. He yelled and screamed, but no one could hear him because there was no one within miles and miles of him. One day became two days, two days became three days, and at this point he was incredibly thirsty and hungry. He began to hallucinate about popsicles and water. All he could think about was something to drink. Dehydration was very quickly taking his life and again, no matter how much he yelled and screamed, no one heard him. And eventually he realized after four days, if I don't do something drastic, I'm going to die right here of dehydration. So he thought, what, what can I do? He realized that he had a pocket knife. So he thought, I'm going to take radical action. I have one of two options. Option one is I stay here and I die of dehydration, or option two, I cut my arm off. So what did he do? He wanted to live. So he pulled out his pocket knife, and he began to saw through his skin. Then his muscles. But then he got to his bone, and he couldn't saw through his bone. So he used the leverage in his body to break his own arm. He took radical action. Why? Why? because he wanted to live. So he was willing to cut his arm off. I think you would too if you were in that situation. And then amazingly, he hiked out several hours, dehydrated, bleeding, and in significant pain, and he survived this incredible ordeal. Here's the point. Jesus tells us to do the same thing, if you are enslaved to pornography, you must take radical action. Cut off your arm, gouge out your eye, metaphorically. Now as I've mentioned before, origin in the 4th century did not take this metaphorically, actually 2nd century. And he emasculated himself. In fact, this became such a problem in the early church at the Council of Nicaea in 325. They had to make a policy saying, Stop emasculating yourself, men. But at least they took the words of Christ seriously. What Christ is saying is, Your soul is at stake, your life is at stake. Take radical action, cut off a limb. Gouge out an eye, but that's going to hurt, Dave. I, but I can't see, Dave. Jesus says, if you don't do this, you will spend all eternity in hell. That's the alternative. So, what does it mean to take radical, swift action? Are you willing to escape death by doing something radical? Now, I've talked to several young men hooked on porn over the years And I've said to them, I've read this text, i said, hey, brother, you need to get rid of your computer because you're hooked on porn. I need it for school. Drop out of school. I'm serious. I'm serious. What's more important, a bachelor's degree or your soul? What is Christ saying? Take radical action. Get rid of your computer. Switch to a dumb phone. Drop out of school. Do whatever it takes to save your soul. Only one person has taken me up on this, and this particular person dropped out of school for a while. And I have tremendous respect for him. And then eventually he went back into school once he was able to deal with this issue of porn. Are you willing to take radical action? Talk to a parent or a pastor, or a d-group leader, or a community group leader about your struggles? Ladies, are you willing to talk to your community group leader's wife, or a female member of our counseling team? Are you willing to get a filter? This is really easy. This is not very costly. If porn is an issue for you, you must have a filter. And I think the best right now is Covenant Eyes. It's both a filter, and it provides uh, accountability emails to your friends are you willing to read a book like Finally Free or Closing the Window? There's really good books out there that will help you think through this issue. Are you willing to install VidAngel? Now, I often talk about this because I love VidAngel. VidAngel is a software system that takes out all the garbage of the movies that you want to watch. There is no reason for you ever, Christian, to watch sex or see skin in any movie. Ever. Ever but Dave, I want to watch the movie. You can with VidAngel. I'm not getting paid for this. I I promise I should be. It's a fantastic $7 a month. Can you put a price on sexual purity? $8 a month maybe. It's fantastic. Do something radical. Spend $8 a month. That's radical, I guess, for some of you. Dads, Are you willing to take control of your kids' phones? I highly recommend iPhones because there's tremendous parental controls on the iPhone that you parents can control. And you can take away all the junk off of your kids' phones. And dads, do not be naive. There are so many parents, this boggles my mind, that allow their kids unfiltered access to the Internet. And I'm thinking, you are an idiot. Parent. But my my kid is really godly. 15-year-old boy? You're basically saying, here, child, crack addict, here's a phone, and there's free crack on this phone whenever you want it. And your child's going to say no to that? Dads, it's your responsibility to control your kid's phones. And and if you think that they have the self-control, I don't know what planet you live on. You, You are being incredibly foolish and naive. But it's going to offend my kids. Who cares? There's souls at stake. The average porn user is 17 years old. Dads, take control. Take charge. Be proactive. Are you willing To get rid of Netflix or Amazon Prime or YouTube if that's how you're accessing porn. And by the way, most people access porn nowadays on YouTube. That's the primary way people access porn. Dads, are you willing to install filters on your routers? And I highly recommend the Griffin router. It's the best filter to put on a router. I think it's like 300 bucks. But can you put a price tag on your soul or your children's souls? Are you willing to get rid of your credit card and put your wife in charge of all your money, thus destroying your ability to buy porn at the store or online? I know a guy who did this. He could not quit looking at porn. So eventually he gave his wife his credit cards, his wallet, his cash. I can't handle this. You control the money. He's taking the words of Christ seriously. He's taking radical action. Are you willing to consistently rehearse the cost of being enslaved to porn? It's important for us to remind ourselves what this looks like to be enslaved to porn. You must remind yourself that porn does horrible things. It literally rewires your brain and destroys your ability to have a normal relationship with a real member of the opposite sex. Porn objectifies women. Porn destroys your sex life. Porn may lead to the embarrassment and shame of church discipline, and that's happened here at GCF by the way. If someone doesn't stop looking at porn, church discipline is a wonderful, God-glorifying solution. And guys, the last thing you want is for the whole church to find out that you're a porn addict. That is meant to put the fear of God into all of us. And it should. I'll never forget the day when that came up about 12 years ago at GCF when we brought it to step three and we told the whole church that there was a particular person in our church who was hooked on porn after months and months and months of counseling. He wouldn't stop looking at porn. So we told the church, Matthew 18, 15 to 20. And that was an incredibly sobering Sunday. You and I should fear God porn also destroys careers, sends people to jail, and it never, ever satisfies. It gets more and more perverse. Women, are you willing to dress modestly for the sake of your brothers? It's good to dress stylishly, but sinful to dress seductively. What seduces most men? I'll tell you. Really tight pants, low-cut tops, tight shirts, and shirts that reveal the midsection. But this is what everyone wears, Dave. You're called to live differently. You are a child of the risen King and a daughter of God. Now, whenever I bring up modesty, people just freak out. Legalism, legalism. The Apostle Paul clearly had a perspective on modesty because he says women are supposed to dress modestly. So there is a standard. And I'm just telling you what seduces most men. So think carefully. Well, Dave, they shouldn't be looking at me. Well, I don't know what to say to that, but I've heard that before. (laughs) It's their fault that they're lusting. Yes, it is but it's your fault for dressing immodestly. All you can do is control yourself, and you can't control the way that you dress, and men should c- c- control what they look at. Are you willing also to practice contentment? Thank God every day for the way he's made your spouse. Contentment is the opposite of lust. Husbands, if your wife is 54150, then you should be into 54150. If your wife is 61230, then you should be into 61230. That's who God has given you. And wives, if your husband is 63280, <laughs> you should be into 63280. That's who God has given you. Contentment is a wonderful antidote to lust. Most importantly, we must exercise a radical dependence on Christ. Jesus utters these words in John 15, 5-7. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing, nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. Christ is saying that as we daily abide in him, Through scripture reading and prayer, he gives us supernatural access to his power. I have yet to meet someone who is hooked on porn, who is simultaneously spending every day reading his or her Bible and praying. Jesus says that when when we abide in him, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for us. He says if we don't abide in him, we can't do anything anything. What happens to those who don't take radical action to combat lust? Well, this brings us to the last point. First committing lust, second combating lust, and third condemning lust. What happens to lustful people, to those who refuse to combat lust? Well, Jesus says that they're condemned to hell forever. Back to our text, Matthew 5, 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Jesus Christ is clearly saying, if you and I do not get a grip on lust, we will go to hell for all eternity. I wholeheartedly believe in once saved, always saved, but if someone is genuinely saved, they will make progress in godliness. Now, so many times as I've been counseling with young men about this issue... I'm thinking of the young men who are not making any progress in putting to death pornography. I will often take them to Galatians 6. And Galatians, as you remember, is the book of grace. The Apostle Paul clearly understands that one is justified by grace through faith plus nothing. But then at the end of the book, uh, Paul utters these words. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now, the works of the flesh are evident... Sexual immorality, pornea is the word there, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, they will not be saved. He says it again in Ephesians, Ephesians 5, 5 to 7. For you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Then he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. I've heard so many empty words on this particular issue. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Again, one is justified, cleansed, and redeemed by grace alone, through faith alone, plus nothing. But if that faith is real, it will eventually manifest itself in a changed life. And if someone remains hooked on porn, Jesus and Paul both say... You'll go to hell forever, forever, not my words, the words of Jesus and the words of Paul. This is meant to sober us. If you are not making progress in this area, you should be concerned. I often say to people, look, I'm not God. I don't know where your soul's at. I don't know if you're a Christian or not, but I know what Jesus says and what Paul says. And they say, if you continue in this lifestyle, you're not a Christian. Many, many Christians, evangelicals, have a very shallow understanding of what saving faith is. Saving faith that trusts in Christ also wants to obey Christ's commands. Now, yes, there is all kinds of room for people in the kingdom of God who are struggling, who want to change, who want to grow, who who screw up now and again. None of us are perfect. There's lots of grace. But I don't want to ignore these words of Jesus and Paul who clearly say, if you continue in this lifestyle of lust, you are not a Christian. It's very easy for us to quickly move to salvation by grace alone through faith alone, which we should move there eventually. But if we do that too quickly, we are numbing or making these words of Christ and Paul null and void. They're meant to sober us and raise the question what is real repentance? Real repentance means change, repentance means to change directions. You're walking this way, then you start to walk that way. That's repentance. You must not dabble with lust. You can't handle it. No one can. Ted Bundy thought that he could. One author writes this sobering story about Ted Bundy. Former Seattleite and graduate of UW, Ted Bundy, became one of the nation's most notorious and feared serial killers for beating, raping, and then murdering at least 30 women. Shortly before he was executed, Bundy was interviewed by Christian leader James Dobson. Shockingly, Bundy admitted that he possessed none of the normal triggers for such sinful behavior. As he was raised in a loving Christian home with five siblings and did not experience any sexual abuse growing up, Rather, he confessed in clear detail how, as a young boy, he began, as most boys do, viewing common pornography, which grew into increasingly harder and more deviant forms of pornography that eventually led to his acting out his evil fantasies. Sadly, many of us think well, that could never, ever be me. I would never, ever murder women. Lust is never, ever, ever satisfied, and with the proliferation of porn, I think we're going to see more and more Ted Bundys, sadly. Lust unchecked leads to pain and misery in this life and the life to come, but there is good news, and the good news is Jesus. Jesus died for us. The penalty for adultery in the Old Testament, as I already mentioned, is death. All of us this morning are adulterers. All of us have taken lustful glances when we shouldn't have. But fortunately, Jesus died in the place of adulterers. He died for people like me and you. So the penalty for all of our sins was taken care of at the cross when Jesus suffered and died for us. All the guilt and all the shame of all of our sins was removed. And furthermore, when he died for us, the power of sin was broken decisively in us. Which means that when you are tempted, if you're a Christian, you don't have to give in. God has given you everything you need to say no. He's broken the power of sin in you. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. And he's filled you with his spirit. Jesus died for us. Furthermore, Jesus lived for us. Jesus never once had a lustful thought. And he was constantly surrounded by women. Think about John 4, the woman at the well, who had five husbands. Or Luke 7, when the sinful woman comes and anoints his head with perfume. Or the band of women that were always with him he didn't live in a monastery. <laughs> he lived a normal life. Yet he never once lusted. He never ever gave in to the sin of lust. He was never an adulterer. He was perfect. And as a result, that perfect, spotless righteousness can be credited to your account. Your righteousness comes from outside of you. It's an alien righteousness. It comes from Jesus. If you're a Christian right now, no matter how much porn you've looked at, currently God the Father sees you as righteous as his own son, Jesus. Because you've been clothed in his alien righteousness. Righteousness. That's good news. Jesus died for us. Jesus lived for us. And Jesus rose from the grave for us. And as a result, he's filled us with the Spirit, and we have access to that same resurrection power. My friends, again, you do not have to give in to lust. The power of sin's been broken in you. You've been filled by the Holy Spirit. There's resurrection power inside of you and Jesus Christ is motivating you by his grace and he's put you in a community of fellow sinners that want to help you grow in godliness. You and I have everything we need, everything we need, forgiveness and power to overcome the sin of lust. This whole world seems enslaved to lust because they pretty much are. But Christians don't have to be. You don't have to be enslaved to lust. Christ has given you everything you need to kill the sin of lust. But you must be willing to take radical Matthew 5, 27 to 30 action. What radical action can you take this week? Motivated by grace and empowered by the Spirit of God, what radical action or step? Can you take this week to combat the sin of lust? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you...